in my book. God forbid Wayne comes over tomorrow and I embarrass myself <laughs> trying to talk about Hall and Oates. Oh, that's a big one. I thought he would talk about fish. They're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? Fish out. Why? But if you go in the lobby, there's a hot dog car that they drove at New Year's Eve one year. So they're in the building, but not in the... Welcome. This is Garrett Teitelbaum reporting to you from Cincinnati, Ohio. I am back in your podcast feeds. Brand new show. If you are one of the beautiful bombshells from my days in Pittsburgh hosting It's Nice to See He's Working, I apologize I vanished on you and then the whole world shut down. But after a long hiatus, Garrett Teitelbaum is back putting out a show called Hall of Famer, where I sit down with friends to talk about the most important Hall of Fames in the Americas. Of course, we all know Cooperstown, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame here in Ohio. We got two big ones with Canton's NFL Hall of Fame and Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's where we'll start on our first couple weeks on the podcast. I've got Wayne Memmott, concert buddy of mine, talking about Hall and Oates today, talking about some of the new exciting things going on at the Comet, where he's had Helltown for the last year, and they are moving, starting next week, to two shows every Saturday, bringing in a ton of great headliners. I'll be there on the 21st, featuring for the very funny Max Price out of St. Louis, actually last year's funniest person in St. Louis. Saturday, the 21st of January. Come on down to the Comet. Catch me performing on Wayne Mehmet's incredible Helltown. Two shows, a 7.30 and a 9.30. Wayne and I, just this past New Year's Eve, got to go see a new band that we both fell in love with last year, Goose. Uh, Wayne and I met on the lawn for Dead & Company uh, right around our mutual birthday. Nice collective of comics. I'm excited. I get to talk with different people about their music, talk to them about the other Rock and Roll Hall of Fames or other Hall of Fames that they're passionate about. Uh, WWE, big pro wrestling mark in my life. Uh, and what's the fifth one? NBA. I'd love to talk hoops with somebody. I want to talk about the people in the Hall of Fame. I want to talk to people that uh, had careers. If you just want to tell stories about your favorite athletes, your favorite bands, the stuff that makes you tick, if you got a show to promote, I'm back. I'm doing a show, hopefully weekly. Might skip some Monday holiday weeks, you know, give myself a mental break uh, so I don't get burned out like the last time I went 186 weeks straight of putting out podcasts. But enjoy the episode. Check out Hall of Famer Pod on Instagram, where I'll be posting about some of the great music I'm listening to. Make sure if you like the show, share it with a friend, promote it. We're trying to get this thing off the ground. Who knows how big we can be? It's really up to you and me, the beautiful bombshells. I know we can do it. Excited to be back. Hall of Famer. Enjoy week one. Um, yeah, I love Daryl Hall and John Oates. Is that how we start? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> start where we want, man. There's, you're week one. So. Yeah, I'm week one? We're kicking off the new year. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Um, thanks for having me. This is so, that's so cool. You're listening. So what's a, what's a, I got to ask you, what's an, an album that you've listened to that you're like, I would have never in my life had I not started this project, listened to this album, but now it's like heavy rotation. There are a couple Randy Newman records that I play regularly. 
um, Rednecks, and I think the album is called Marie. Okay. I don't know any, so I won't be able okay. to fact check you. That's one that I like. I wouldn't have expected. And I also listened. There's a comic, um, Josh Adam Myers, who does a podcast called yeah. The 500, where he's yeah. going through the 500 greatest albums, the Rolling Stone yeah. list from 2012. He, he does a goddamn comedy jam. Yes, he does. Uh-huh. It's a cool show where yeah. comics tell stories about music and then get to perform with his band at the end. Yeah. Um, but they've done three different Randy Newman records. And last year, I really started like digging into his albums. Um the one that you asked about, Good Old Boys, is the Good name old of the boys. record. Okay, um, but that's one that I play at least every month. Okay, you know, I'll throw right. in the rotation. So, because he's a funny guy, like there's a lot of satire yeah. and wit to what he's doing. It's not all Toy Story. It's not which all is Toy what Story. Yeah, and if yeah. you've got a young daughter, exactly. Yeah. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on early in this show is because you very similarly were doing a big project. You're trying to make your daughter listen to all the records in your collection. Yeah. So you were doing hashtag what? Wheezy A to Z? Wheezy A to Z, a to Z with Wheezy. Uh, I think we got, I, I know where we're at, but uh, we just kind of, she wanted to start picking out her own records. And sure. so I lost it in order. Um, but I know exactly where we're at. It will be picked up, but I, I have a pretty extensive vinyl collection. And so I want her to listen to a lot of everything. I don't want her to just... Like, we're not introducing Baby Shark into our household. We're, like, she's yeah. listening to Aquabats, which is like ska, punk-inspired kids TV show. It's, it's weird. If you know the Aquabats, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, the Aquabats. That'll hit with a kid. Sure. Right, exactly. Um, but then I really just try and listen to a lot of stuff that she, like, I just want her to listen to and have positive influences and th- things that I like, things that Courtney likes. We have a section of, like, my favorites. We have my wife's favorites. We have Wheezy's favorites or ones that we bought specifically for her. Yeah. Um, and then we have like our general selection. And then I, I love greatest hits and live albums. So I'm curious in your listen through, do you have to listen to yeah. the greatest hits and the I'm live doing albums? It, literally, I'm doing dude, studio records, dude. singles, live uh, albums, man, compilations. Man, so, you're, you're, you're never going to get through it. So even like I did a lot of Hall & Oates that first year leading yeah. up to the concert yeah. and I just crunched the numbers this morning I'm 25% of the way through oh because they God. added all the music videos right. in too right. so ultimately my goal is to get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to let me live in the top of the pyramid okay. and, and I'll, right. I'll yeah, finish yeah. the project because yeah, 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 yeah. I've lived in Baltimore I've lived in Pittsburgh I'm in Cincinnati uh-huh. now I don't like the Bengals or I don't like the Browns but like uh, fuck it if they yeah. wanted to put me up I'd yeah. help bring some success to that city yeah right I got this archivist sitting up here listening to everything okay I just didn't want to be I think I listened to a lot of like shit as a teenager uh-huh. a lot of new metal a lot uh-huh. of corn and Eminem and not Eminem's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now I'm not going to speak ill of no. like the TRL era no. but going into my 30s I said like I want to try to listen to everything right I want to expand a little bit and right. without doing this project I really wouldn't have gotten to the Grateful Dead the way that I would have okay so at the beginning of 2020 um, a month after the pandemic had started, oh all the concerts I had been canceled. Think about the Grateful Dead. That's so, a billion albums. I mean, I yeah, and I, <laughs> I've done the full Europe '72 tour. Oh my god, twenty odd, twenty three shows, <laughs> oh and I did it like god. in order, and I tried to be diligent about it. There was another podcast, Thirty Six from the Vault, where they uh-huh. did uh, the Dix Picks records. Yep, and I did all of those with them over this time. Okay, all right, that's cool. But my uncle was a big fan, and he yeah. passed away about a month into the pandemic, and we weren't able to all be together. I was really like 
frustrated that I wasn't going to be able to see all the shows that I like going yeah. to. And so I said, well, what's the best like live band ever? Let me try to find my way in. And right. it's been really like a nice godsend of a band that's ex- helped me expand my mind and gotten me to the point where I'm listening to Goose. Yeah. And I always liked uh, the Dave Matthews band and had friends that wanted to see them. And that's right. the big aspect of like going to live music. Right. It's like you're being with your people and your you're, you're together. Yep. Yep. And so Dave was their band. And I like the band. I like horns. I like dancing right. to horns. I think yep. that's the me way too. my yep. body moves the best. <laughs> big horn guy. Which is why Tab was so cool uh-huh. this year. And to get to see Trey in three different formats in a calendar year where I like Fish, but it's not a band that I'm playing consistently in right. my life. Um, yeah, it's th- those are like cool months where I'm like, I'm going to deep dive this yeah. band again. That's, and that's doing dope. the Sunday show with Price uh, out in Indianapolis to get that like 30 minute sand to open yeah. the second set. like. I listened to it on the drive back uh-huh. immediately because of the way live fish works. And yep. Yeah, it was very cool. It's like a whole movie story. Yeah. The way that song kind of plays Dude, out. Dude, that song. I, I love fish. So fish is one that's like, it's in heavy rotation for me, for sure. Like I listen to it all of the time. Uh, but it was the same thing. Like my friends in college were just like, they went to all, I mean, my buddy in Denver, my buddy in Chicago, like they've been going to dead shows forever and all those hippie bands and all yeah. that stuff. And so, like, I just went with them to shows, and they're like, hey, we're going to this city. Cool, I'm in. Let's go. I mean, I always liked music. I've I've kind of just always liked music. I just, whatever I'm listening to, I listen to. But I've liked every genre. When I grew up, I was listening to country with my mom. And then, actually, my Rock and Roll Hall of Fame story is we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for a class trip in high school. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I remember about it was uh, that I bought corn freak on a leash from the CD <laughs> store and I remember thinking like it's gonna mean something that I bought this from here that's <laughs> like, that's, like that's why I was like I was waiting to buy it uh, oh. anyway um corn was more influential on <laughs> me at that age uh-huh. than I probably most people would assume looking at me now right like I got dreadlocks because of corn Dang. I had it was only four months they didn't look good Dang. got rid of them fast I made a deal with my father that I was going to get an eyebrow ring if I got certain grades. Uh-huh. And I got them. And then when I got to the place, I was like, I'm going to do the cartilage instead. Okay. Pierce the top of my ear. Yeah. Engage that a little bit. But that was like eighth grade. Dang. And then when I got to high school, I played football and they said, you can't have uh, earrings under your helmet. So right. I took them out and right. just never really just thought never about earrings again. Then. I'm a no tattoos guy. But, yeah. you know, I don't mind it. I'm here to... here to. In, I, I look at... Like, OSHA gets tattoos. I go to concerts. Right. That's my right. sort of experience, yeah. my thing that I'm willing to put my time and my money behind because right. of, you know, wanting to see certain songs or getting to see different venues. And, right. Um, and digging into music deep helps you understand those things, especially when you're seeing a bunch of bands that do throw weird random covers in and stuff like that. You let you over all people will like have heard that song before right. because you're that's so cool. Well, and covers, it's not always like I did like cover songs a lot growing up, and I think that's a cool way to do it. But you and I are both going to see Goose. Uh, we will have seen yep. them for New Year's Eve together. Yeah. But by the, time, by the time this comes by the out, way, so boy, excited! I don't know. I think night one might be my favorite night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're gonna to I to do a two night stand, which is again something that's very new to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing until mm-hmm. 2021. OSHA and I went to Deer Creek for two nights a day. Yeah, 
I love the idea of like mm-hmm. we're here. Let's yeah. we're just gonna party for the second day and right. talk about how good night one, one was, and yeah. then we'll roll into and the next go night. Into night two, and it, they're both gonna be awesome shows. Yeah, it's a fun band. But we, um, OSHA was getting ready to tape her special, and we got an Airbnb in Pleasureville, Kentucky, like halfway between Lexington and Louisville. Okay. It was like a farmhouse. Yeah, there yeah, were yeah, like yeah. goats running around and uh-huh. like barn cats. But I drove down. And I had the Nug subscription because it was in the midst of like the, seeing the dead shows the week before. Right. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try to find it. But the covers that they do is what kind of got me in originally. I right. liked the Dripfield album. Yep. And I liked listening to shows. But like they had so many unique takes on different songs. Mm-hmm. that I was like, this is really interesting. If you do, a, a, covers are cool if you're doing them a cool way. I, I, as my stance on covers is I love covers. As long as it's a unique take, as long as I can tell it's like your cover, it's not yes. like, oh, I could just listen to the song. Um, and it's a great way to like energize. Like if you if you have a song playing live that you want to play, like that's kind of low or somber, like a sick cover after that is a way to get that energy of that crowd right back into it. Well, you know, it's great for an encore. Mm-hmm. It's great for an opening number. Uh-huh. Like you can check it in different ways. And yeah. It's such a cool nod to a band that influenced you or that you're like obsessed with right. in that moment. Right. Well, actually, speaking of covers, to get into Daryl Hall and John yeah. Oates. And by the way, I only refer to them as Daryl Hall and John Oates because they are very <laughs> adamant that they want to be called Daryl Hall and John they, Oates. They have said that Hall and Oates is a stupid name. They are not Hall and Oates. So, uh, <laughs> but on that, I actually am wearing my. Mustache shirt. Oats shirt. Mustache Oats Hell shirt. Yeah. Which I think is so funny that at their merch stand, we, I went to the show this summer, and at their merch stand, there was no Daryl Hall only merch. There's one Oats <laughs> merch. And it's just so funny to me that it doesn't say John Oates on it. Like it's just like he, he they have made a career of adamant, like they are Daryl Hall and John Oates, and this just says Oates, and it's anyway. Well, and they always looked at themselves as like two individuals right. that happened to be doing stuff right. together. Right. And unlike a Simon and Garfunkel who like we were billed as a right. duo act or the Righteous Brothers who are, they really like pushed against that a little bit. I mean, and it's like, it's like, it's the two of us that we will always be the leaders of this band and the band is Daryl Hall and John Oates. Right. Like that's... Uh, but over history, they are the number one selling duo, uh-huh. in, and which is wild to think about. When, I mean, but, not really, because they're like, so, but not. It's not really wild to think about because they're both like incredibly good and dedicated to music. I mean, even still to this day, like, like Daryl d- did like through the pandemic grew to a whole new audience because he set up an in-house studio and yeah. invited a bunch of musicians to come and play Daryl's house at Daryl's house. And it's like, he was like one of the first people to be like, Oh, we're shut down. Cool. I've been thinking about this idea for a long time. Let's just do let's, let's just go. And, and I mean, you see so many cool things because of that. And it just like shows their dedication. Like, Oh no. Well, and they're ba- they're a band that shows up in TV, in movies, right. in all sorts of different things. Do you have like a first memory of like being aware of who they were? Dude, it's kind of, it's a little embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie, but I'll, I'm I'm honest <laughs> if nothing else. Like I've always known their songs, you know, but I've never. It's not like I've been a lifetime long fan. But um, one time I was going to see Yonder Mountain String Band, and their opening. Uh, back in their very early infancy was Lake Street Dive. Lake Street Dive. Yeah, is, they do a lot of covers. Yeah, and they had a Rich Girl cover that they did, and then the next week they released a video of it, and it like went viral. So I like saw that all the time. I was like, 
oh yeah, like Hall of Notes. I, I didn't give them the this. respect back then. I, I <laughs> they were just Hall of Notes back then. But I was like, oh Hall of Notes. Like I love Hall of Notes. So then I just start like put not like listening to them. I'm like, you make my dreams come true. It's just like any wedding, like that'll get the dance floor full. Yes. Like you put that on at any wedding, and the dance floor is full. Um, but then, like, some of their others, like, She's Gone is my favorite yep. Hall Oates song ever. Just, like, it's such a crazy good song. Um, and they just span so long of a, like, decade. Uh, or, like, a, a, they span so much music. But, like, you never feel like they sold out because their sound has always been a little sellouty. Well, there's something. I, I look at it. You, I try to think about music and comedy terms sometimes. It's very, like old school classic right. like show and right. that's they're, they're influenced by all the right. soul music from the 50s and 60s right. and obviously as two white guys growing up in and around Philadelphia right. there's such a like a boom of music influence there and to be able to make that slide in and yeah really kind of like leverage what you're learning around and finding the right musicians to play to with play with yeah and I mean they met as like each in their own like Motown bands you know and playing in philadelphia all the time and then just kind of realize that you know hanging out that they like played well together and i i think it's just amazing like how like how they've been friends like they went their own way and did their own solo careers but they've been friends forever you know like it's not like an angry breakup and they reconciled or whatever so yeah i was curious if you mentioned um what she's gone is like gone. your favorite. Mm-hmm. You feel like that's the one that's impacted you the most over time. You think they're? Uh, I mean, I love a good sad song. I do. I love like. A good I want song. music to make you feel something. And yeah. sometimes you're not in the happy moods. And yeah, it helps you process what you're dealing with, whether I, it's a breakup or any anything. Right. I I just think I I don't know why. I just I think that. Well, I think very cinematically when it comes to songs, like I, sure. I, I'm sure a lot of people, I'm not unique in this, but when I am listening to songs, I can picture the movie and the songs that I like are the movies that I can picture the best. Sure. Whether it be like this song would be perfect in this movie or just here's what this song, the story of the song is telling. Like I'm visioning the movie in my head. And so I think She's Gone tells like an, an incredible story. It is very cinematic from the intro to like, how it builds to the end and like the notes that they hit and yeah. it's like very I love karaoke look at you man yeah dude and it's like it's such a good karaoke song like if you yes. can hit that if you can do that song like you'll bring the house down in karaoke it's fun to belt in your car alone even if you're not sad like I haven't I've been with my wife now for like t- over 10 years now wow. um, yeah. so it's like I-, I haven't been in a position where like a she's gone has happened to me like, I, yeah, like <laughs> I haven't lost a love of my life in a long time so fair no but kiss on my list rich girl is I think one that I got really hooked into during college yeah like put, put on a ton of playlists for friends and I remember coming back my brother was two years younger than me for their graduation uh, graduated a few years after me um and had like their graduation party yep. and put it on and like gave me the look across the room like knew that yeah. it was for me yeah. Like, yeah that's that's the way to yeah do it's it. like that's a good signature song on a play like on a cd and a playlist and stuff you're that's a, a rich great bitch girl yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's like fun it's jazzy you know everybody loves motown yes you know like it's just it's fun and and, and I'm with you, like any type of horns in a band, like get me there. Like I love, I love a horn. I, I, I've really like, 
again, bands find you at different points. You get in at different eras. I was moving from Baltimore to Pittsburgh in my late 20s, probably 26, 27, and was doing like a traveling sales job. I was working the road and got into a big Springsteen and the E Street Band era. And then when I got to see them in 2014 for the first time, Tom Morello had played on the... um, High Hopes record, so he was touring with them. Yep. They opened with Clamp Down by The Clash. Like They're throwing in these covers throughout the set. But getting to see Clarence Clemens' nephew, Jake, like come in, play the set. Play. And it's like, if I had listened to better music when I was a teenager, I played saxophone for a year in the junior high band. Mm-hmm. If I had been listening to Billy Joel, if I had been listening uh-huh. to the E Street Band, if I was listening to music that had the real saxophone parts of it, like... Maybe my whole life could be different. Maybe I'd have been in the music world instead of the comedy world. But I just, it's, the E Street Band was really one, because it's not one person, even Mm -hmm. though Bruce is the front man. It is a bar band to a T, and they will take requests off of signs. They are running around for three hours playing nothing but songs you want to sing. And then he gets up there, and he's delivering these, like, sermon monologues Mm -hmm. to you to help you cope with your life Mm -hmm. and whatever's going on. It's amazing to me to see how he connects with people. I almost took E Street Band. I, I, I would have even left Bruce and we could have just, just talked, talked about, about the East Street, Street Band because they're in the Hall of Fame yes. individually as their own. And uh, like I love them, but I also figured like you, you're going to have a lot of guests and there's going to be a lot of people that want to do that. And I love Daryl Hall and John Oates too. So I figured I'd take what, you know, I'd, I'd help you out, help a bunny yeah, out. Yeah, uh, I like Hall and Oates as a place to start too because yeah. I lived in Philadelphia. My father got his doctorate at Temple before we moved okay. around. And so, like, that's a city that I lived in as a kid mm-hmm. that I have a lot of affinity for. Um, and when I was leaving UD and looking to go to the East Coast, because I was born in Jersey and right. New York was the only city I ever thought existed for the longest yeah. time, got offered a couple of jobs that didn't pay enough to live anywhere near New York City. Nope. I spent three weeks in Philly and three weeks in Baltimore with my cousin and then his parents, my aunt and uncle, just to be like, I'm networking, I'm working the road. Right. Found, found work in Baltimore and ended up there. But Philly had just won the World Series after this like long drought. And the other piece of this podcast, Hall of Famer, because yes, I am listening to a lot of music in doing this. I also have a lot of sports memorabilia. Mm-hmm. My father teaches sports management. I've got a ton of... Yeah, cards and things. I'd like to reduce my collections. I'd like to get to a point where I don't think my kid is going to want 38 sets of baseball cards. Right, 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 Um, right. But being in Philadelphia really kind of helped me reset how I look at teams and sports because getting to talk to the local people about what that experience was like winning the World Series, going to the parade, doing all of that. That's what let me say, whatever city adopts me, I'm, that's my team. Yep, yep. And I moved to Baltimore and I lived a mile from the stadiums. Orioles, yeah. I got to see the Orioles improve, get Buck Showalter uh-huh. and start to get better, make the playoffs a couple of times. I got to see the Ravens perpetually improve and improve and improve uh-huh. and then win a Super Bowl my last year there. Oh, that's cool. And so, yeah, like I wish that I could speak highly of Pittsburgh sports, but doing comedy while two Stanley Cup wins uh-huh. went on really just fucked up me producing shows. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, just made sure, it so yeah. like, oh, I don't know if game one's on Friday or Saturday yeah. until Thursday. Oh, I hope dude. people buy tickets. Thank God Cincinnati isn't like a big hockey you town. You don't have a best like, of seven the, situation yeah, to follow. Or you. NBA. Like we don't have the two sports that like really fuck up. Like yeah. football, it's easy. Hey, no Sunday shows, basically. Right. You That's know, all you should like, do is avoid uh, and if it's monthly, it's just on the bye week or when they're playing on Thursday or Monday or whatever. Yeah. Um, baseball doesn't affect anything, and 
FCC only affects it if it's like a show downtown and at so yeah yeah um I love man that's cool I was in St. Louis when the Cardinals won the World Series one year oh uh, nice it would have been 2006 or seven I think it was maybe six yeah whenever they won yeah so. they did they wanted to know six because it's one of the saddest moments in sports I ever had because before I was willing to give up my fandom the New York Mets were my team yeah so I had grown up uh they had won the World Series in 86 that's the year I was born mm-hmm. If you asked my dad what his favorite team was, he always would say the 1969-1970 New York Knicks, uh-huh. which I always thought was yeah, like an asshole way of answering so it. But I also, I now as an adult, appreciate it because like I don't care about the team the same way no. I used to, no matter what. Right. I watch the Dayton basketball team now, but the last three seasons have been very hard since we lost out on the uh-huh. COVID season and seeing what it can be. Uh-huh. Um, so I enjoy watching Obi with the Knicks. I, I'm happy yep. that that's going well. And the, the college team, I'm still tuned in. I still want them to succeed. Right. But I've invested 20 plus years of my life into this team. And the mm-hmm. best team we may ever have got stolen from, from us COVID. by COVID. Yeah, uh, we were the number three team in the country. I know. So it's like, I'm still, I'm still here. I still love sports. But I've also gotten to see a team win a Super Bowl. Right. I've, and so now a World Series would be great. And if for, the, for the city of Cincinnati, I really hope it could happen. It's just going to take some time and effort. I think they're a better team than they were. I think right. they've got a good farm system. Mm-hmm. That's really like, kind of like, it's time to do yeah. it. But it's a tough game. It was a the long Bengals. season. And of course, the Bengals was a nice run. And yeah. I'm happy when we're doing well. Connor Twill's about to take me... Uh, the week this comes out to go see the final game of the regular season when the Ravens oh. and the Bengals are playing. And I'm stoked because I've gotten to go and see the Ravens play on mm-hmm. Christmas Day in Pittsburgh yep. and lose. And yep. that's like yep. great games are still great games yep. to me. Especially my, with good buds. Yeah, my happiness isn't tied to that. And that's we were ahead the whole game. And the, Ra- or the, the Steelers ended up having this immaculate like extension is what it was called yeah. to win the game that day. What kind of Grinch am I if I'm trying to steal this right. whole stadium's no, joy? No, like it doesn't matter. I'm happy that I have a investment in the game. Right, I played it when I was a kid, but I'm at 36. Like, I get, and maybe it's because I get to do comedy. Maybe it's right. because I have enough other stuff that like my wins and losses right. are mine to yes. influence. Yes, there's so people that that's their like every their whole week is getting ready for and going to the Bengals game and yeah. all you know, and it's. God love them. I, I'm going this weekend. I'm very excited. Yeah. So I'm going to the Bengals-Browns game. Um, yeah, I'm very, very excited. Hey, we just talked a lot about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, Hall & Oates. I think they're great. And you know what else I think is great? Sponsors. This is where I would do an ad before I talk to the guest about other stuff. But it's the first week, so I don't have a, get, a guy or a girl or a they or a them who's ready to sponsor with Hall of Famer podcast yet. So, could it be you? I don't know. Write in to Hall of Famer pod at gmail.com. Let's talk. I think there's plenty of things we could advertise, like Vinyl Moon. Check me out unboxing my first Vinyl Moon after this episode. They'd be a great sponsor, and I'm sure as shit gonna tag them because this is a good ad read. And you're going to enjoy my podcast, Cincinnati-based stand-up comic Garrett Teitelbaum talking with friends and family about their favorite members of the five prestigious Hall of Fames here in the Americas. Of course, Cooperstown, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, the Naismith Museum for the National Basketball Association, Canton, Ohio's National Football Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, and WWE. Join me each week where I talk to my friends about their favorite 
all-time greats. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And now, back to the show. So, okay. Talk to, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, should we get back to, back to the, 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 the hollow notes, or is that how this is supposed to go? No, it can kind of go any oh, which direction. Yeah. I was going to transition into what you've got going oh, on yeah. with Bombs Away, kind oh, of perfect. expanding into two shows a, a night for yeah. Saturdays. Yeah, so we, uh, Bombs Away Comedy is, it's kind of always been a collective of comedians, and, and kind of within the past six years, I've kind of taken over as the, the helm of it, the lead organizer, always welcome to have other comedians join us and help out. Um, but we, in March, uh, when the pandemic was kind of safely over-ish, you know, like still always a threat, but we've kind of learned to deal with it. And a lot of, enough people have been vaccinated. We decided to go to a weekly showcase at the Comet. Um, the Comet's kind of been a home base for us. I live close to it. It's a legendary dive bar north side. We've run a variety of shows, including a brunch showcase. That's how um, I knew about it when yeah. I was in Pittsburgh, because uh, Seneca, Seneca and, and Ray and, and uh, Zawadney and Colin yeah. Chamberlain came through and did yeah, it. Yeah, they one of the legendary ones, too. Uh, so, so the brunch show was always good. I did a secret show down below that I had a couple big acts in, and, uh, and then Pandemic shut that one down. It was a room that holds 24 people, so it's like... Couldn't pack people in there. Yeah, uh, we started doing shows outside, which were successful through the pandemic for what they were. Is a good way to get people to kind of work and stuff like that. We've developed the outside, but it's difficult to produce comedy shows outside. So we've kind of moved it all inside. We have a side room. We've done as much as we got. Some more improvements coming. Um, but we've been doing a show called Helltown every week at seven thirty, and we've been drawing more people than the music. And some musicians were complaining to the booker, who is also a musician, and he's like, well, fuck those guys. You're bringing in more people than their sad bands. We'll make Saturday comedy night. So we're doing a three-month trial that I expect to be successful, and we will continue on through the year. Uh, so January through March, we're doing two shows a night, one at 7.30, one at 9.30. That gets us a little bit more money from the bar because they're not paying bands, so they can right. pay us a little bit more, which allows us to get bigger headliners in because instead of... A max of 55 people paying to see them. We can get 110 people to pay to see them based on the doing yeah. two shows. Um, so we're, we're kind of working toward that. Um, I've, I've got some headliners booked. I, yeah, I can actually, by all we means, can, we can announce some of the stuff if you want. Yeah, we'll be out at the beginning of January is my, <laughs> um, is my game plan with this. Oh, beautiful. Well, I'll say if it already happened, let me, uh, the first show of the year I'm actually very excited about, we are doing, so Motor, our friends at Motormouth, uh, do a show called 51st Jokes. It's a mm -hmm. common show in a bunch of cities and. I think there's just 30. We're doing 30 first jokes, and everybody comes in and tells one joke. You get like three minutes. Well, two days later, we're going to open up our year with 30 last jokes, where we're going to book 30 comedians to come tell a joke for the last time. Like, hey, let's let's put this one to bed. Yeah, retire uh, act. When you're just tired of telling, you get three minutes. We're going to record it for everybody so that they can just have it as a memory, or they can caption it and say that whatever they want to do with it, we're not going to post it. We're not becoming a content brand or anything your like hot that. takes on the pandemic are ready to be retired guys right exactly yeah. whatever for whatever reason <laughs> just like you're just like ah, this is never going on an album you're I'm done with talking it. about a girl you're not dating anymore you want to retire because you can't transition it into exact life yeah. yep exactly um and then the first headliner of the year is a guy named brian paris uh, i hope that's how you say his name but he was a a lot of what we do is we get headliners recommended to us from people that know people. So Mark Shalafu lived in New York for a long time, knows a lot of comedians. 
And when people contact him, like who does shows in Cincinnati, he usually sends them our way. Nice. And he's uh, he, he never sends us anybody that's bad. So and I've watched the set. Brian's very funny. Max Price is coming in the week after that. On funniest the, person in St. Louis. Funniest person in St. Louis on January 21st. He's done our shows before. He's so unique. He's incredible. He's a guy that you're going to end up paying a lot to see eventually. Uh, the 28th of January, we have Aaron Putnam and Zach O'Ryan uh, from oh, Chicago. Oh, Zach came through um, Pittsburgh a few times. Yeah, Zach is very funny. They're two different people. Uh, Aaron's been a good friend of ours, and he's helped us bring people like Joe DeRosa and Bobby Kelly yeah. and uh, Stavros. and like. So he's a good friend of ours. And then February, we have Shanda Sung on the 4th. She's from Bloomington. Incredibly funny. On the 11th, we have a woman named Jasmine Ellis that reached out to us that... I had never heard of, but again, just her energy is incredible. Holly Lene to follow that mm-hmm. February 18th. And then closing out February is uh, Cincinnati favorite, worldwide favorite, country favorite, Rena Calm, which we're oh, very excited absolutely. about. So um, year, in the year after that, we have Scott Eason, Vic Pandya, Chris Allen, DJ Rabisk. I love Chris Allen. Yeah. Uh, Jared Kassenbaum's coming back. Brandy Posey is doing one. I worked with her in Pittsburgh. She's, She's great, too. So fun. And Mark Shalafu uh, as well. Um, and then we that's just kind of through May. And we're kind of booking out. We always have a headliner and then three local or regional comedians um, yeah. and then a host as well. So uh, it's a pretty tight show. The bar is incredible. The food's good. It's it's I mean, the bar is a vibe. You've been to the comedy. Absolutely. Um, no, and, and they're fun rooms when you get the right audience in there. Mm-hmm. They're ready to laugh. They're yep. excited to be entertained. And it's not like too wide. It's not too no. big. It's the right amount of space for a comedy night. Honestly, it's like I, our show, and this isn't a brag. This is kind of how I characterize it. And it's what I'm going for, is a perfect blend of bar show and comedy mm-hmm. club. Like, we seat you at a table. We have the candles. Like, we, we, you know, like, you have a table. Everything's situated the right way. Like, I spent a lot of time, like, organizing, like, how do the tables supposed to go in this room? How many seats? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's still, like, an active kitchen behind you that you can see into. You yeah. know, like, there's still people walking through to get their food. There's a light buzz from the side room. Like, it never gets loud enough that you, that it affects the show inside. Right. And the people outside can kind of ignore the show, but it's, it's pretty open uh the bar it just has like a, a slight din like a good bar show kind of has yeah um so, so yeah it's it's a little dingy a little dark a little but the the food and the atmosphere is great uh there's always just a bunch of cool people hanging out the comet draws all walks of life legitimately in there just yeah. naturally hanging out you'll have families and their kids in high chairs and you'll have old biker dudes and you'll have north side gutter punks and you'll have yeah. mom and dad that rolled down from college hill and so yeah and, and bombs away is i mean bigger than just one room you've got queen city radio yeah so queen city radio which in january or uh january we're taking a month off uh just because we're anticipating the Bengals to be probably in the still. playoff sure. hunt so uh, if the Bengals are not playing on the 21st of January, we will have a show. Um, but we kind of anticipate probably that. It'll be happening. a later booked one that <coughs> lineup wise yeah. based on how the team's doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, we'll be back in February. Uh, we also, 
I guess I can probably announce. No, I can't announce it. We have a can very cool show in February cool. that's waiting for one approval from one person, but it's working with a classic Cincinnati brand and doing an incredible showcase for them uh, in February. So very cool. Keep an eye out for that one. Um, very excited for that. And you can follow all of us at Bombs Away Comedy on Instagram and Facebook. We run everything. Uh, 2023 is planning to be a pretty big growth year for us. To We've always kind of been a... A loose collective, but our goal, I work with Sean Braley and Bridget Denman and a couple other people will probably be joining us. Um, our goal our goal is to be a legitimate business operating through, in, through 2023. Yeah. Growth plans to hopefully maybe one day have a permanent spot. That's many years out. You know, I don't, I have to, we have to learn a lot before I would sure. feel comfortable doing something like that. How early did you take on producing into doing comedy? Uh, so I was... I think I'm like 14 years in to comedy. It's very deceptive because I was a teacher for a bunch of those years and I would do like an open mic every three months and that was for like three years. Like I was not pushing. Yeah. Yeah, So I don't really give credence to timelines. Um, But I I think I started working with Bombs Away Comedy. I'm trying to think. Maybe 2012. So probably four or five years in. Nice. Um, It was two guys, Josh Maddie and Chandler Deathy, that were operating in a side room at Mayday. Mayday is now Northside Yacht Club. Yeah. So that side room was our comedy haven. Nice. Uh, The name Bombs Away Comedy comes from Mayday because it was very like, Mayday, Mayday. So Bombs Away feels very thematic with that. Um we did a lot of our co-branding with that. We even had seductive ladies riding hot dogs because Mayday was known for their hot dogs. Okay. Um, they did a lot of live shows. We did a bunch of comic shows. It was just an open mic. And then we started being like booking headliners and, and people word spreads when headliner comes in, even if they don't, they make, Hey, I made $500 crowd was great. Treated me well, got to eat that word spreads quickly to people. Um, when they have a good time at yeah. your show. Um, and so then after a while, I started hosting some of their shows just working because they weren't comedians. They didn't want to be comedians. Um, they liked everything else about it except for doing, doing the, the comedy. Job. So yeah. I just started hosting for them and helping them out. Um, eventually, they kind of stepped away for various reasons. I was the only one running the brand. Um, and I was kind of like doing a show here and there. I actually had some of my favorite show ideas. Uh, one is One was Comedy Wedding. Um, which was every comedian comes and does an old joke, a new joke, a borrowed joke, and a blue joke. I like that. And everybody's supposed to dress real fancy and fun. Um, It might still come back one day. Uh, That's a unique theme show, though. I like that. And I think, and I want to give credit to the fact that I think I heard it on a podcast somewhere, and I've tried to find it, so I don't know if they were just... To give credit to that person. I don't know if they were just bullshitting on a podcast or if it was an actual show that, like, was somebody's idea. Um, but it was too good not to use. And, um, so I did, I do remember trying to find it. So if anybody hears and like, Hey, that was my show, please let me know. I'll give you all the credit. Um, we also did uh, comedy popcorn, which was like a movie roasting show. So we watched sure. movies. We watched reefer madness. We watched crossroads, Britney like a mystery Spears science. Yeah, yeah, style, yeah. Sure. Um, so that was fun. Then I was at the go bananas comedy club and I heard a group of comedians. They were like, remember go remember bombs away comedy. That was so great. And I was like, yeah, we just had a show like 
two nights ago, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, come hang out, help me out. I'd love to have help. Like, yeah, you guys, and they're like, we should start that again. I was like, I have been I, it, doing it's that. Here. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of when I like staked my claim. Like I talked to Chandler. I was like, and he's like, yeah, I'm not coming back to it. Um, Josh was very much out of it. And I said, if you guys ever want to come back, like you're open. We'll find room to Yes, it. you're a part of it. And, um, it's a Hall of Notes mindset, you know. Exactly. You're always welcome. Like I'm not, I, I don't ever want to be seen as stealing something, but the branding was so good and it would already had built such a name sure. amongst comedians that I wanted to go through. So um, then it, fortuitously, I'd started working at Taft's bartending with Andrew Rudick and we had started okay. uh, and the, the Bruporium had just opened. They had this big open space. We're like, could we do a comedy show here? We started doing comedy shows. Mark Shalafu was our first one. It was like 200 people showed up. Oh, yeah. You know, we did Cronin, 150. And it was like, we started having like big shows. So that's where we had like Joe DeRosa and Bobby Kelly, Pete and Pete from the Adventures of yeah. Pete and Pete. Um, a, a lot, just they do t- time each or they do like more Q&A and it like was, stories? It, it was a, a podcast. It wasn't okay. a comedy show, but they like talked about movies. They had different things. Yeah. It was very f- free flowing and you, you could tell they had segments they wanted to hit, but it wasn't like a, a production sure. of play. Um, that, that was awesome. Um, we raised a lot of money. What well, we did a show with Gwen Sunkel for Planned Parenthood and raised a thousand dollars that night. I'm yeah, a big Gwen fan. We, so it was a cool room. Uh, then I left Taft's and I just was working for a different brewery and it felt weird to still kind of do shows there. And uh, I just kind of, we parted ways. Yeah. Um, pl- plus the pandemic kind of, yeah, yeah. T- timed it out. So um, then I was looking for a home. We were doing shows a bunch everywhere, all over. Uh, and now I'm kind of in the model of find one home base and then do outlet shows. So, uh what changed the most for us and is that uh, the Comet is now the address for Bombs Away Comedy, which is listed as a comedy club on Google because I feel okay doing that because we have a weekly show. Yeah, it's a consistent A space. monthly show, I'd be like, okay, you're not really a com- you're open. You have comedy you're, once. Yeah, it's a, right. some days you're right, a thing. Right. Uh, and we hope to expand back to having a brunch show, maybe doing a secret show. Like We have oh, different yeah. venues and maybe potentially doing other nights of comedy, but... Doing it weekly and now having two shows a week, it's like, okay, we're a comedy club. And so it helps people find us, rate us, review us. It helps. They know about Helltown. They know about, right. it's a consistent thing. Right. There's always the marquee poster yes. in the window. They yes. know that, oh, there's a show coming up. Let me make sure we're there for that. Or, and in March, it will have been a year of consistently a week, a show a week. Yeah. And um, so we're, it just keeps growing. We have a show tonight that's, we already have like 45 of the 55 tickets reserved. And last week we were like, way packed out standing room only and your, your good weeks are way better more than your bad weeks and you still have those weeks where you can't yeah. you know we're currently on a reservation base so people make free reservations and then i do everything i can to kind of remind them to show up and then they pay what they want at the door the other thing we're changing is we're going to go to ten dollar tickets um going into in january yeah. um for two reasons uh, multiple reasons. We've done donation based because the Comet doesn't charge tickets. Like typically for Comet, they, they don't charge tickets for stuff, which I appreciate, but it's mostly music and musicians. If you have four bands on a bill, that room is going to be full of 20 people, no matter what, right. just because of the bands are hanging out. Um, that's not the same thing with comedy. Like we need to ha- guarantee have audience members there. 
Um, and our donation on average is $10. That's usually what people do. Mm -hmm. Plus there's other comedy outfits that are doing similar things to what we're doing. And when they're charging tickets, it's 25 to $30. So we're still a value. But when people are scrolling through, like, Oh, we'll go to that. They don't mind paying $10. People want it to be easy. It actually helps them out to be like, Oh, it's just $10. Great. What? And they're going to show up because they've invested $10, $20, $40 into this show. Yeah, with the reservation model, I'm always curious, like, how many no-shows do you get in those scenarios where it's like, oh, we really would have been nice to know that those four seats were not actually filled or those people didn't come. The best best we get is, like, 75% show up. Cool. The worst is, like... 25%, 25%, I would say on average, without knowing it off the top of my head, where 50 to 65% show up. It's pretty good. For which is good. And, yeah. and it's a small enough room that even if we have 25 people in there, like it feels, can it it. feels yeah. full. And there's always people hanging out at the Comet. We always have just show up walk-ups and things like that. Um, so the room's always full. Uh, but I think for funding the show... Being fair to comedians, which is like the draw that we always want, is we, we I, I've always built Bombs Away as like comedians first. So I want to be able to say, hey, there's a lot of scam artists that will like not be upfront with how much they'll pay you. Hey, you'll get some cash or some bucks. It's like, no, I want to book you for this show. Here's it's $200 it for two shows, plus you get 40% of tickets. Tickets are $10. We can fit 110 people. It's sold out two shows. Plus, you can sell merch. We have people that always buy merch. So yeah. you, you can do the math and figure out what you want to pay. If you want to counter, counter, and I'll tell you if we can do it or not. And um, same with, like, feature acts. It's like 30 bucks a meal. We feed you. Drinks aren't free anymore. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, I always want to be fair to comedians. Yeah. And having a set ticket price helps us be the most upfront with the Easier comedians. to anticipate. Easier to plan. And yes. obviously, yeah, it was going to two shows. It's you want to make sure that second show isn't overly light compared and, and, to the first one. And bingo, that's the other side is that we actually want to, if, if people are scrolling through, like, we'll go to the late show. If you make a reservation at 930, you may come on, not come, come on. on. You and it's me. real easy to be stoned on the couch Listen, and go, we're, we're looking at each other and it gets to be 830 and we're like, I don't think we're going to go. I don't think we're going to make it. Exactly. And, and I would hate to, I don't want comedians to perform to a mostly empty room. No, I think that makes a lot um, of sense. So with the... Story of Bombs Away. There's a lot of names in there. There's a lot of people you've been able to collaborate uh-huh. with over the years. What do you look for in finding the people that you want to work with on these shows as like a consistent co-producer or assistant to the thing? Like, how do you look for your oats? Um, yeah, no, I, I, that's a good, that's, that's great. So uh, currently the two oats is, is to, to my hall. I, I'd rather be the oats, but mm-hmm. you know, we're all halls. We're all oats is. Um, so Bridget, Deadman started working with me because a couple reasons. She added value that I couldn't add. She's great with graphic design. She makes all of our posters. Um, she's also very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had the energy that she could host a show. She had the energy that she could produce the show. So I look for people that can do everything. It's a multi-hat job. You, you got to sure. be able to sell tickets at the door. You got to be able to like talk it up, high energy. You got to start the show. Like it, 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 It's very difficult uh, to do. Uh, plus, she does posters, so she makes the posters. I post everything. Um, and then Sean Braley just joined us because his venue, The Garage, yeah. shut down, and he was looking for a home. And we had talked, and I was like, well, I would love to have your help. I'd lo- bring you in. Like, we're all kind of equal partners. I kind of make the last decision just because I've been doing it the longest, I think. But I'm trying to have them more Take say. ownership of the ideas <laughs> and feel like they're 
not right. not just doing what the the has what, what been I, done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the new show that's coming in February, which I'll tell you off, Mike. Okay. Um, Sean's taking the lead on that. Like I'm helping him. We're working on it. It'll be a bombs sure. away show, but that's he's taking the nice. lead on that. Um, so I try to want to empower people and, and be like, hey, we've had people work with us that have then tried to go off and do their own thing, and that's great too. Like I, I I'm an open book. I want to teach people how to do this. It's so. a much easier way to be that sort of a collaborative mindset of like the tide raises all the ships yep. and it's not a competition. Nope. And for Cincinnati to have multiple venues, multiple options for people to come through. I always look at that as a big win. If like there are three good shows going on on an individual yeah. night. Yeah. It'd be ideal if they could go Friday, Saturday, Sunday and keep them separate. But like, but also everybody wants to have a Saturday and everybody- if there's, it's all based on the venues. And, and so like I start with venue first, I like look for a venue and then we kind of build out from there. I don't want to get stuck to a day. Yeah. Um, and but but yeah, like we have we're over in Walnut Hills, East Walnut Hills, and we have River Monster kind of over here that Carter's doing. And it's like some people in other scenes, it would be bombs away versus River Monster. Sure. But that is not the case at all. Like I want his shows to be great. I want my shows to be great because people might be like, oh, I went to this show here. Let's check out other comedy shows. Boom, boom, boom. I saw so-and-so all... so on this lineup. Oh, they're doing a show Saturday. Right. We're all booking the come. same people. Right. Like, it, it's so it's, uh, in Cincinnati, it doesn't feel, like, competitive at Good. all with any of the things, at least on my end. We've like, really felt like it's the most welcoming place mm-hmm. that we could have ended up. And I had ties to Dayton, Ohio, but I didn't, I'd never lived in Cincinnati prior to coming back here. And even, I, this is the example I always give to people from other scenes. Pittsburgh, every single open mic was a host re-ranked list where I would, when I ran my open mic, it was Thursdays from 8 to 10 and I capped it at 20 people. I would post around lunchtime at my job, hey, let us know if you want a spot. People would comment Mm -hmm. and then I would put them in an order. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, you're being ranked against your peers And it's very difficult to feel like as a new person that OSHA and I weren't going to be 27 and 29 out of 30 for Mm -hmm. six months Mm -hmm. before anybody really saw us. And when we got to proof and then chameleon our first week and it was put your name down and that's where you're going to go. It became a very a much shorter track to be able to go. Oh, they know how to do the job. Right. They're funny people. Right. We would like to put them on our right. shows. Please come and be a part of our community. Right. And it's never felt anything other than love and appreciation right. for us being comics. And yet, nobody here had to see us be well, terrible no. at this job. We learned how to do it somewhere else. But I, mean, um, I, saw, I saw you guys on one of your first yeah weeks, and I was like, oh, thank oh, they're moving here. Oh, thank they're God, here? You this know? is great. Um, I mean, Cincinnati, while we do have a pretty burgeoning scene, we do have a lot of shows that are trying to like book diverse lineups, but let's be honest, we don't have a lot. We don't have as many women in the scene that can do the job as there are men that can do the job and it's growing and it's getting better. And and I I don't want to get into that discussion, but when we have a woman come to the scene that's already like ready to go, can even close out bar shows. It's like, okay, that's a huge value. And you like, yes, you're another male, white male. Sorry, but your view and your jokes are different than like, 
than what we have. Well, that's why I'm, I'm trying to talk about being Jewish more often, so people can okay. at least put yeah. me in a different. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just go, oh, he's a little yeah. different. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, no one cares. About no, they Jewish. don't. Jewish doesn't add to diversity on the lineup. I'm sorry. No, it's never the good. <laughs> it's never the good kind of diversity. No, 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 no. It's only the hateful kind of diversity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They exactly. want to other you, but not in a yeah. way that would benefit not, your pockets because nope, they all. think uh, we're already getting in on the money uh, too much. Yeah, he's probably running the show. I wish um, I ran anything. No, no, I don't. Um, I'm very happy with uh, the the community, the scene, and the opportunity to like yeah, mm-hmm. just be around the right kind of people. Yeah, people that take it the right way. We have a great scene. I mean, I, I would also then say like, if we sat down and made a list, uh, we have 50 to 70 bookable 10 minute comedians. Mm-hmm. People that you can book at any time to do 10 minutes and they're going to kill it. Yeah, like, and if you expand that out to Dayton and Lexington and Louisville, Indianapolis, I mean, the, I mean, yeah, the, the, the list exponentially away, goes you're up. 250. But you're you know, looking for those regional features. Mm-hmm. You're looking for people who can comfortably mm-hmm. do 15 on your show. Mm-hmm. You've got options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great place to be. Uh, Cincinnati is incredible. Uh, the, the comedy scene is great. You know, it's not without its beefs and its clicks, but sure. those kind of don't become prevalent or whatever. And... Um, I mean, it's just like every comedy scene, but there's yeah, not nobody's really... made us feel unwelcome. No. There's never been anybody. And the people who have started in the year and a half, two years since we've been here, I feel like have all been welcomed the right yeah. way. Yes. I yes. think there's always this idea of like, oh, all the comics are cold when we first get there. I think it's more just like you have to be consistent. You have to be coming out. And it's not that we're not talking to you. We just know each other and we like each right. other. So build a game with somebody have a bit like yes. try to find i don't know what album i bought how exciting uh unboxing here on the episode you hear that that's record tape uh-oh this says sensory advisory deluxe vinyl what did garrett title bomb by himself hmm Crescent Mirage. Vinyl Moon. Maybe there's a mixtape. Bringing the mixtape back. Oh, dope. Vinyl Moon. You want to come sponsor this podcast? I'm going to be talking about some of the best albums of all time. I love this Pac-Man logo sticker you sent me. Vinyl Moon. Very cool. Let's see. Bringing the mixtape back one deluxe record at a time. Share great picks and win more vinyl at Vinyl Moon Co. Oh, we are going to at you. I like your sensory advisory logo. There's your honest unboxing. Vinyl Moon looking like the NASA logo. Looking like Pac-Man. Greetings. Welcome to the future of new music discovery. Your boldness is matched only by your artistic curiosity. Well, ain't that right? We're listening to all the albums by everyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on this show. Um, doesn't mean there's not great people making music that's not in the Rock Hall yet. And that's kind of why a Vinyl Moon sponsorship would be super helpful. See where these greats have influenced the current people making music. And if you want to learn more about what's on my first mixtape or see some photos of it, make sure you follow Hall of Famer Pod. The artwork on this is incredible. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm very excited. I made a good uh, targeted ad decision. It's got a very cool foil look to it. Um, almost like a exotic day on the beach. Some of these, uh, what look like sands might be butts in some parts. Ah, it's pretty fun. 
filling up sandcastles, looking at birds and mushrooms. Yeah, I'm going to post some photos of this. It came with some great stickers from the artist, Crescent Mirage. And uh, check it out. My review will be coming next week when Hannah Youngholm joins me for episode two of Hall of Famer. I think you and I, I had met you at Chameleon mm-hmm. before you did your one-day festival over at Comet. Oh, yeah. But we hadn't really had a full conversation yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like, hey, Garrett Nosha, come hang out at the fest if you want yeah. to. And we had something that day with my family. But it really wasn't until the September 11th you know, lawn. Yeah. We met in the AstroTurf out there. And it was such a fun show because mm-hmm. it ended up being... Uh, like a whole collection of comics that I wasn't expecting to bump into there. Um, And yeah, what a nice way to feel like, oh, everybody's here. Yes. Um, I had an extra ticket because Shannon Norman wasn't able to come in, so I brought John Holmes, and then I had a friend who couldn't make it because somebody had passed away in their family, so Seymour got a ticket to that. So I was like, I built this little crew of people that I wanted to share Mm -hmm. the show with, and then we bumped into you and Jeff Tate. Yep. Yep. And it, and Spencer and Nick were there. And Dave Waite Dave was, was there. Yeah. Um, my buddy Phil, who I go see a ton of shows oh, yeah. with, came with Phil me. There, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very fun night on the lawn. Um, they're the best. I, I know. I just I can't say enough good things about Dead and Company. No. And if you have a chance to see them on the farewell tour, you should. You should, absolutely. I was able to see Hall & Oates a few years back. You saw them this past year. Yep. We talked about a couple of their songs earlier. Yeah. I know you made an album ranking list. I want to make sure we get the chance to kind of dive in. If you, oh, yeah. if somebody was not aware for some reason, they've lived under a rock for a long time, and you wanted to be like, these are the two or three albums you got to check out. Like, where would you tell somebody to start with this band? So I, I, I went through and kind of picked. I, I didn't like rank the albums, but I could tell you. So I, I would always start with Abandoned Luncheonette because it's their second album. Mm-hmm. Their first album, Whole Oats, doesn't really have. First of all, it's a very funny title. Yeah, it's, for Hall and Oats to be called Whole Oats, like it's just it's very funny. Uh, doesn't have like a lot of the hits that people know. Sure. Um, but Abandoned Luncheonette's the one that has "She's Gone" on it. So that's I, I love that album. You're not going to recognize a lot of the album outside of that, but it's an early... You get to see kind of where they started. Um, and I also think the cover is beautiful because it's just an overgrown, like, little diner car on the side of the road. When I was working for the Nielsen ratings and I would have to get these addresses and maps and stuff, and it was, like, in the woods sometimes, I'm very yeah. used to finding those and going, oh, maybe somebody yeah. lives there and i got to go try and knock on the door. Um, from that one, When the Morning Comes is incredible. Oh, yeah. And... Las Vegas turnaround yep. is is a really fun one. Yep, yeah, no, it's it's just a good. We just listened to it at our house. So a lot of these are attached to my daughter because we listen to sure. these a lot at our house. Um, I wish this was like easier for me to do, but um, okay. So the next one that I would absolutely go to is bigger than both of us. Yep, um, I think it's an iconic album cover. Uh, it's got the song back together again, which is like such an incredible song to open a show with. And they do open shows with that a lot of times. So it's like such a great groove, but then it's got rich girl on it, which is just like iconic. Um, so when I went to Dayton, they have a sister school in Hawaii 
Chaminade, who hosts yep. a Maui Invite every year, and I did a semester there the first half of my senior year. There was a bar around the corner from us that we went to for Wednesday happy hour every week. We'd get a bucket of, or a pitcher of beer, play seven games of darts, me and my roommate versus two of our friends. Yep. And there was the same house band that played every week, Explosives Dog. Okay. And they... One, like maybe we had been there three weeks in a row. We're like, hey, does anybody know um, Run Around by Blues Traveler? Okay. Like, we want to sound check it quick. And I was like, fuck it, I'll do that. So I got up and I sang it with them for sound check. And by the next week, like, I got asked to come out of the crowd and do it again, do it again. And so, like, the whole semester, I get to perform with this band on stage. But in the bar, they had different records up. And the table where we used to sit, that was the record that was, like, right next to us. So I had had some artwork up in the bathroom recently that I took down because it was inspired by uh, Watch the Throne, Kanye West and Jay-Z. Said, probably don't need that up on my wall right Uh now. Similar to another Philly great, uh, Uh Bill Cosby had taken a record off the wall Uh a few years back that Uh I had to. So I replaced it with the Bigger Than Both of Us Mm. record in our bathroom right now. That's awesome. So that's up on the wall. It is. It's a very cool record. The Ritz Crackers and the old school 80s computer. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The art on it's great. Uh, Rich Girl, I think it's just a good album start to finish. Like, it just flows very well. Um, I listen to a lot of these on vinyl, so I, mm-hmm. I do kind of like there's you know side one and yeah, side, side two, two being different. Yep. Um, I so I'll do these are my top five. I'll just say, but not in any particular order. But yeah. these are an order that I would listen to them. The next one's Private Eyes. Uh, this was my first vinyl purchase uh, from Hall and Oates. Again, iconic like Daryl Hall and John Oates album cover like very of the 80s time uh it was right recorded in the early 80s right at the end of the 70s but private eyes is such an incredible like live song to hear yeah. the, with the like offbeat clapping through it and you get to make fun of your friends that don't know it like you know like they just they Why do it too early you? um i can't go for that i can't go for that did it in a minute is so yeah fun too. mono a mono is fun in between there uh and usually, I, I this is very much a side one heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the back end, I like the Unguarded Minute. It's a very nice, very, you know, song. Um, the reason why I like this one a lot, too, is because it has a lot of Sarah Allen writing on it, which okay. was Daryl Hall's longtime girlfriend. and lady. She's the one who inspired the stewardess yes, song, the yes. Las Vegas Turnaround. Yes, yes. Uh, she also, Sarah Smiles, yes, which is... of course. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, she... Yeah. That's on this one. Well, speaking of this one, uh, we're going to go to the creme de la creme, biggest mistake that they ever did for their career. This is like kind of a theme for them is that they like always kind of get in their way a little bit because like, so Hall & Oates, I know they say it sounds stupid. It's a great way for us to like acknowledge them as a band. Sure. So Daryl Hall and John Oates is too long, but they're like, insist on it. It has to be. It has to be. And then this album, the Daryl Hall and John Oates album, where they are glamour shot supermodels. They do. They look like they were at the mall. This is at the height where like being gay was like as a joke. 1975. Yep. Like it wasn't like a thing. It was used comically. Uh, not that they were using this comically. They they acknowledged that uh, they had some bad photos taken. Uh, sure. Uh, the photographer said that they would do this. And, they, yeah, they've even regretted this album. But it's just... 
Sarah Smile, their first like major radio hit though off of this record. It has to be. And that was all written uh, for Sarah Allen. Um, you know, Daryl Hall wrote that for Sarah Allen. Um, and and really, this song is chant or this album is championed for me by Sarah Smile because it was on my daughter's bedtime playlist, and so nice. uh, it was one of the songs that I knew all the words to that was soft that I could like while singing, like sing to her while rocking her. So nice. Um, and I changed it to Wheezy Smile when I wanted her to smile. Of so course. yeah, you know. Um, so I don't listen to this album too too much, but I think the cover gets it in the list alone, and Sarah Smile tied to me. That same uh, time period before we had seen him live, I remember driving OSHA to the airport and Saltering was on. And that's one that yep. like is in a lot of our playlists yep. from the beginning of us oh, dating. I like that one. Um, and then finally, the last one is uh, Voices. Um, mm-hmm. Voices is iconic. Uh, it has what I think is their best song. And I mean, that's what Spotify says. But you make my dreams come true. Sure. It's a perfect for any wedding, any dance floor, any party. It's one of those songs. Uh, it's just like Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. You can put it on and like if you if anyone's even tangential to dancing, they're Don't on the Don't you want to dance? Say you want to dance with um, your boy. Uh, but also, uh, "Kiss Kiss on My List" is also like such a fun song um, that I sing to my wife all the time. Sure, so. and you've, their their cover of "You've Lost That Loving Feeling." Is yeah, oh yeah, and too. then and of course, speaking of covers, uh, it's an album with a cover on it that's like an iconic, iconic song that they also put their own twist on and k- kill it, kill it with. Um, honorable mention is uh, "Big Bag Boom." Um, yeah, big bamboom. Um, most oh, out of touch. Out of touch. I love that song. That, that's like very quintessential. Like late eighties, could go in any movie. Like it's like a montage song. Um, and of course, the innuendo of the opening track, "Dance on Your Knees." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Another song I sing to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> So with this show coming out 2023, I'm getting ready to get married to a comic. Mm-hmm. You are you are a comic and you're married. Yep. What advice do you have for someone who's marrying uh, someone who does what we do? Uh, or just someone who's entering the uh, matrimony stage of their life? I would say the best thing I could say is be comfortable alone. Um, I, I think that the one thing that Courtney and I drive that we do well together is Courtney's never been a partner that f- demands like I physically be there all the time. Like she's not a partner that like you have that you hear those couples where it's like women getting pissed or men getting pissed that the other partner hasn't texted them back in 30 minutes or whatever. Right. It's like, that's not our relationship. So I, I think that's a benefit with you and OSHA both being comedians is that you'll have that natural separation of times, which make those times together all the more special. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, my, my best advice would be to have a list of shows that you enjoy watching together and work your way through that list. Um, it's a good way to make you connect and spend time together or whatever it is. It's a list of records. If it's, yeah. if it's uh, whatever it is and, and find those like scheduled times to the connect. little stuff, the, the little da- the daily things don't make, I mean, so like last night, it seemed like it was a small thing, but it was kind of a big thing. We, I, I love Sean Patton. He's headlining at Go Bananas yeah. Comedy Club. I uh, love Go Bananas. And uh, 
I wanted to go and, and Sean Patton was the first comedian that Courtney and I had seen together at Go Bananas Comedy Club. So I was like, well, hey, should we try and go? My mom watched Eloise. We went to our favorite bar in Northside and we walked in. We're like, we've never been here without our daughter. So like we got to like hang out there and have dinner and then went to the show. And Courtney's like, I don't think I've been in this club in like three and a half years just because of pandemic and then having a child. Sure. And it wasn't... A, an extravagant night. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was just like a small, easy date night. Easy date night. Um, and don't make everything about comedy. I would say also, like make you know, make sure there's that time. And I think you guys do probably do that well. It seems we try to be deliberate about it. I mean, during the pandemic, especially like we had touched on moments in the week. I got I had been a big wrestling fan as a kid. AEW was starting, yeah, and so we started making that a Wednesday habit, and we made a fantasy like football style draft of different wrestlers, and then whoever won for the week got to pick takeout on Friday because yeah. again, yeah. pandemic really reduced us to yeah like how simple can you make your life but yeah. yeah there's definitely like if i'm on a show or she's on a show and the other one's not there or we go to something else right. we're always going to be comics like well why didn't you go hang out or right. the worst is like we're all just sitting around outside and people are like oh let me get up so you yeah. guys can sit next to each it's other like, and no, I, go, we're, I talk to her plenty yeah, like we, if we, we live together if we sit together then uh, we don't get twice as much gossip mm-hmm. we don't get all the news mm-hmm. like we're trying to find out some stuff yeah because otherwise what are we going to talk about on the drive home other right than all you guys right oh that's funny. no we um it's been really good i think like you talked about those little things having tv shows is, is important what do you do for yourself is there anything in like your daily practice that helps you whether it's through comedy or life sort of navigate things like a daily touchstone you do every uh, so every morning i wake up early because I really am like, I'm an extrovert. I'm pretty easy to go out and talk to people, but I need that recharge time. Yeah. And so I'll wake up early and I actually, I love watching Survivor. Sure. So I'll wake up early, pour myself a coffee, have a little, smoke a little weed and like watch Survivor (laughs) while I like recharge for the day. And if I wake up later, if I need to sleep, I'll I'll cut that part out of my day or whatever. But um, I do, I like to like that's a pretty touchstone touchstone for me i had Um, forgotten because you've been doing uh the johnny's podcast these last few months yeah Uh, i think i'm doing more next year too so yeah uh uh, what is it reality after show is the podcast with johnny fairplay we do the challenge we we do um so that's one osha and i are watching survivor now i had done the first probably six seasons Mm -hmm. as a kid the first one aired the summer i broke my leg Okay. And so I remember I got my cast off the day of the finale. Like it was like uh, really like yeah, a Wednesday yeah. sort of touchstone thing. And then after I got to college and stopped watching it. But during the pandemic, we just jumped back in. Right. So we started with season four or five. Uh-huh. We made it to about the halfway point. We're probably 15 or 20 uh-huh. seasons in. And then when they were doing them alive again, we've jumped up and watched yeah. the recent ones. Oh, nice. And then in the off season, we'll go back and do some in the middle. But it's such an interesting show and it's easy yeah. and Jeff's so like good at his yeah. job. I, I tell any American Survivor fan, I have the links, go watch uh, South American and Australian okay. Survivor are both very, very good Survivor iterations. My father's pitch, even at the beginning, was it would be interesting if they brought 16 people from 16 different English-speaking countries together yep. and you had different kind of representatives of, of that sort of a style. I think, I think we're about to see a Survivor, South America, Australia, and America, or in some sort of cool. crossover. I think we're about Working to start seeing that. some of those crossover. Oh, I love it. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that's kind of a touchstone. And then 
Um, I always, every morning, like I wake up my daughter. So I go and wake her up and we get to like spend the first couple minutes together. We've actually been doing an advent calendar together and it's a Lego advent calendar. And so every day we go, we pull a chain off then she looks at the number and then she tries to match it on the box and then we open it up and build it. I'm like about to just go buy like 12 more advent calendars so we can just keep doing it every single day throughout the year yeah. and just like keep counting up to 25. Are you building one big piece sort no, of thing? Or it's there a, are 12 it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. So when she was born, before she was born, we didn't know what gender she was and we called her baby Groot. I was talking about this last night. I think that is, uh, not that I just think gender reveals are dumb. I think it's the only real mystery that you get in life. And if you lose that, I don't, I, it, it, I will never understand wanting to know ahead of time. I was adamant about not knowing. Cool. Um, my wife was easily convinced. She's a planner, but I was like, we'll just get gender neutral stuff. And yeah. then and then we don't have a bunch of po- bows and frills for our matter, daughter and a bunch of yeah. trucks and ninjas for our boy. We'll just have like woodland animals and greens and yellows and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so so we called her baby Groot. So we always have like Groot Lego sets and stuff like that. Sure. And so I bought her the Guardians of the Galaxy Lego advent calendar because it has they have a Christmas special this year it's this Christmas special that makes sense good branding uh, Disney there's a Baby Groot series on on Disney Plus and when it starts it's him popping up and like pressing fast forward Uh, and so it goes like so when when I say oh do you want to watch Baby Groot she goes like that's how she (laughs) refers to Baby Groot so uh, yeah so we're doing that every morning it's a good like daily rituals with her and uh, listening to records and that kind of stuff so love it man yeah Um, I had two last questions comedy related we got I got like four or five minutes if that's cool yeah Uh, favorite set of this past year is there a, a milestone for you that you felt good about, whether it was producing or being on stage performing? Oh, was there a my, best set of, of 2022? Of me? No, for Hall and Oates. Yeah, no, uh, for you. Oh, yeah. no, I didn't know if, like, uh, uh, that I saw or of oh, You mine. can do both. Yeah, okay. was there a favorite concert? Obviously, we're about to get to here at the end of the year. Con- but. Concert was definitely... Father's Day, Trey, solo acoustic oh, with you. That, 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 heart, that seriously you. was a concert of the year for me. I, um, getting to see, and again, not a band I listen to all the time. If you had to explain the encore, the finale of Say It To Me Santos to somebody oh without the context of Fish and the side <laughs> projects and everything else, it would just be like, I had to just, I was laughing and tearing up during it. it. It's so beautiful and weird, but you could never articulate it to somebody who hasn't been to a show there. Um, Okay. So I have uh, probably a favorite, whatever, um, comedian Cy Amundsen uh, is in Cincinnati now and he is planning to come back to comedy, I think, or something. So he has a set of jokes that he wanted to film and get spec of. So he had a clubhouse in his neighborhood that he rented out and had up cameras and all this stuff and did a, a small, a 30-person shoot. But I, oh, I kind of cool. helped coordinate the yeah. show side of it for him and the sound equipment and all that. Um, and so I did a set there. And that was cool in and of itself. But also, uh, I recorded that set. And one of those jokes that I, like, captioned up and put on has, like, 
30,000, 35,000 yeah. views on Instagram. Awesome. And it's like, it's one of those ones that's got a little bit of traction, which makes you feel good. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, size so fun. I've filled in to host a few times at High Grain for Billy and Lee, mm-hmm. and he did a t- yep. he did some time on that one because it's an outdoor show. Right, and he did, when we were doing outdoors at the Grotto, he would pop out and do those sets yeah. too. Um, so I would say that's probably set. Uh, and then for Helltown, uh, we had, so I've been a big fan of comedy for a long, long time. Uh, listened to Doug Loves Movies, became fans of Graham Elwood. Graham Elwood, I listened to his movie podcast all the time, and he got a hold of me because he re- was recording a special in Chicago in October, and so he wanted to run it, and I he wanted to do my show. So I got to have like a, a comedic hero of mine get a hold of me because he'd heard the value of the show. Um, that's a big win. For that's sure. a big win. And then the other win is because when I'm booking, and I, I don't want it to sound like liberal braggy but i really do try it like representation matters mm-hmm. uh i do my we do our best to make sure that we have diversified lineups across the whole year um and we had a comedian andy iwancio who is from portland that was traveling back through the area and she messaged and said like she's a trans gal that's in her lineup uh, or in her bio but she said i love who you are booking i want to do your show and so, like, she's a name that I knew because she opens for Kyle Kinane all the time. Like, Kyle's mentioned her by oh, name sure. before. It's like, I like her energy. Um, and so she got to do that show. And, and uh, so that was that was a really cool moment for me. to, Because I really, I understand, like, as a woman, as a trans person, as a person of color, you keep seeing these lineups of just, like, five white dudes on a show. You're like, well, they're not going to book me. Why am I going to waste my time reaching out to them? Well, and it's, from, from my perspective as dating... Uh, Osha and now engaged to be married like the compliments that she gets from audience members after the shows are always based in like it's so nice that you talk about what you talk about because you make me feel comfortable being me and it does get taxing yeah. on audience members. Yeah. It's just five uh, angry white, white guys. Yes. It's a lot of people who grew up listening to corn yes. yes. and who need to express yes. their rage about what's happening yes. in the world. And there is a place for them, too. I, I don't. Yes. I yeah, do, yeah, yeah. There is a place. They but I don't a, need six of you on no, this show no. if I can have a better product by right. giving other people opportunities and making, like you said, right. a safe space where people feel comfortable to be able to perform right. and do their act. Right. And I'm saying that as like not a corn white guy, but I'm a boring white guy. Yeah. Like I'm just a, I'm a white guy. I don't have uh, you know I'm a comfy Midwest dad. I'm a comfy Midwest guy. My jokes are very approachable. We were at the uh, comment last week, and Tina yeah. McDonald came in from Indianapolis, yeah. and like we were talking about fish and Dave and all sorts of stuff. But she was just like, "When did you two decide you were like comfy being dads?" Yeah, like, I was like, it's I, like I'm, I don't have a kid, but I feel pretty comfy. Like right. I'm not gonna dress like I skateboard. I no, don't like no. I, I don't I don't, I don't know how. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yet another question. Who? isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that you think will get in or deserves to be in and is being actively snubbed today? Is there a band that uh, you're passionate about? And again, they have to have been doing it for 25 years to truly qualify. So yeah. bands that are newer, you know, yeah, you don't yeah, have to, yeah, yeah. but like they're building up some stuff. Who, who do you love? I don't know the whole list of who's in or who's not in. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Why not Fish isn't in it? They're not. Um, their big but hot dog car from New Year's Eve is in the right, building. Right. 
I mean, they obviously should be. I think I, they I think, will eventually. I think that's the easy one is that they will be. Yeah. Um, they're the band you've seen the most in your life? Yeah, they're the band I've seen the most. Uh, another band that I definitely like kind of the same level, uh, Widespread Panic, for sure. And I don't know if they're snubbed, but they've been doing it forever. Yeah. Uh, I don't. So I don't want to say they're snubbed, but they're another band. I'm like, I don't know if they'll make it in because I don't know if they have the... The commercial success, certainly. They've toured <laughs> right, for a long right. time. Right, they've toured forever, but I, that's another band where I'm like, man, they're, they're just so, so musically good. Yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, to have, like, I think they're up to almost 60 consecutive sold-out Red Rock shows. Like, I mean, come on. You yeah. know, they sell out wherever they go. They, it, Yeah. Um, another, and then I'll make a call because it's an easy call, but just to say I said it early, Billy Strings is going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, there's no, no question about yeah. it. This selling out this much at this young year, no questions. He's going to do it for a long time, yeah. and yeah. I think that it continues to. There's not as many people who get bluegrass in the mainstream mm-hmm. as there will be mm-hmm. ten years from now because right. of what he's mm-hmm. doing. Um, but another band that another guy that probably will never will, but Keller Williams is another guy. That, yeah, like listen to Keller a lot. He's just so musically talented. Um, but I've also seen him at bars that hold a hundred people. You know, I was like, so yeah. Yeah. and it wasn't sold out. So it's like, that's why I'm like uh, getting to see goose three times here at the end of the year in venues that are like 4,000 or less is like so interesting. Well, cause, cause I mean, they got in, radio city this year and sold it out twice. They sold out red rocks. Like in, in three years, it's not, we're not, it's, we're not going to see him in a venue this small. No. Like this is that year that we get to see. That's where I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing him as much time as right. I can. Cause it's never going to be this small. Okay. And I, I will shout out the Brady a lot. And doing this project, I listen to a lot of different bands. And Pearl Jam has a huge depth of like live music. But I listened to a Seattle show, and Eddie Vedder made a comment on stage. He goes, it's nice to do a show with your keys in your pocket. Yep. And I think about that a lot with how lucky I am being in Cincinnati, being in East Walnut Hills, that I can do that, not just for the Brady the Heritage Bank, but for comedy. Right. For the stuff that I could walk to some of these shows Carter right. produces. It's yeah. a 10 minutes up the road to get to the north side. Right. Like, right. I really am blessed with... And it's an hour and a half to five cities. Yeah. And I can get back from doing three different shows in Indianapolis mm-hmm. at Deer Creek same night yep. and not feel like I'm burnt out. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'll travel yeah. to anything now that the pandemic is done and uh, we will continue to try to see as much live music as possible um, shout out your socials one last time so uh, people can follow you yeah, and the gang. Uh, my socials are just at Wayne Mehmet everywhere it's M-E-M-M-O-T-T Wayne spelled like Wayne uh, and then at Bombs Away Comedy on everywhere so if you like local Cincinnati comedy I will also shout out if you like Cincinnati comedy or you're interested in Cincinnati comedy go Bananas Comedy Club for sure should follow them and river monster comedy carter shows over here in walnut hills uh there's a bunch of other people that are running tangential shows but if you want like three kind of depending if you're on the east side the west side you're up north in the burbs like those are all places you can go to watch really good comedy love it man thanks a lot for coming on wayne cheers man thank you hammer in my book
Follow us on Instagram. If you've got an artist you want to come talk to me about, reach out. I'd love the chance to promote you and what you have going on. If you're a Cincinnati-based comedian, artist, or all-around cool person.